welcome to the latest episode of Advancing Ocular Health, a podcast mini-series in which ophthalmologists and optometrists discuss the latest innovations in eye care pharmaceuticals. Today, Dr. Laura Perryman from Perryman Eye Institute in Seattle and Dr. Derek Cunningham from Dell Laser Consultants in Austin review the latest information about Flarex, which is indicated for treatment of several steroid-responsive inflammatory conditions of the eye. Flarex, as with other topical ocular steroids, is contraindicated in subjects with ocular viral, fungal, and bacterial infections and anyone hypersensitive to any component of the product. The use of ocular steroids can cause intraocular pressure increase, glaucoma damage to the optic nerve, affect visual field, cataract formation, and may slow corneal wound healing. Adverse reactions that may occur with ocular steroid use, including Flarex, include glaucoma with optic nerve damage, visual acuity and field defects, cataract formation, secondary ocular infection following suppression of host response, perforation of the globe, and dyskusia. For further information, see important safety information and full prescribing information provided on this website. Let's get started. Welcome to Advancing Ocular Health. I'm Dr. Derek Cunningham. I'm an optometrist in Austin, Texas. Hi, I'm Dr. Laura Perryman. I'm an ophthalmologist in Seattle, Washington. Now, part of this series is going to be for us to explore a little bit better the understanding and importance of the MDOD collaboration. And we'd like to thank iVance as a company that's committed to bringing us anterior segment pharmaceuticals. Now, iVance has is really made up of a group of individuals that have really have a long track record within eye care. And they have, throughout all of their endeavors, really had a commitment and a desire to educate doctors on any of these products they bring into the anterior segment. So I'd really like to thank them for that. And, you know, Laura, I'm sure you can echo the sentiment. Yes, and I really appreciate that MDOD collaboration ethos that they bring to everything that they do as well. I think it's very helpful for everybody and help us all take care, better care of our patients together. Derek, I don't know if you have fond memories or tough memories of organic chemistry, um, but uh, for me, it's fun to get sweet revenge on organic chemistry to nerd out just a little bit on what an acetate is and what an ester is and what it does for penetration into the eye. You know, and it's interesting. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about this because I also remember when this product first came out roughly, you know, 18 years ago. And it took us a little bit of under time back then to understand that there was a pivotal difference between the generic FML, which were, which is available now, and this branded Flarex. Can you, can you explain a little bit more of, of that? The big difference between uh, FML and Flarex is that FML is a fluoromethylone alcohol, whereas Flarex is a fluoromethylone acetate. And you might think, well, geez, LP, you're just splitting hairs there, but that actually makes a huge difference when we're talking about potency and penetration into the ocular tissues. You know, and I think this is important because they both have the same indication. And I remember this clearly 18 years ago, that when you look at the two products, they're both indicated for use in the first 24 to 40 hours to be used two drops every two hours. And then you can kind of adjust it from there. But really after 48 hours, it's roughly one to two drops four times a day. And it's indicated for any inflammatory condition of really the anterior adnexia, the anterior segment, the cornea, the, the conjunctiva. But once we got into clinical practice and were able to use these, we saw a clear difference between FML and the Flarex that was available then, which we're all discovering the exact same thing today. 
I agree. And it's uh, the broad indication works in your favor when you are doing battle with uh, insurance companies and getting drugs from the pharmacy. When you put fluoromethylone acetate, there is no generic substitute. So when you write that prescription, you know exactly what you're getting. And I think that helps us as clinicians because we have good reasons for picking what we pick and recommending what we recommend to the patients. And so this is a way of ensuring that your patient gets exactly what you want them to have. The, the really interesting thing though, is that they're not the same. So they're really not substitutable in essence. And so I think one of the, one of the things that we have to be clear about because pharmacists are busy and they're not always up to speed that if we're going to use a, a product like, like Flarex, I think we have to be very specific that you don't want to substitute because you can't just assume the pharmacist is going to understand the difference between the two products. I agree. So, Laura, you know, we actually, we've touched upon one of the, I guess, new again drugs, but let's talk about really where we put, put the pen to paper and, and, and really where we're going to make the decision to, to prescribe an anti-inflammatory. And let's talk about the constellation of inflammatory disease that we really see in, in clinical practice and the, the general utility. Now, you know, when I talk about inflammation, I'm, I'm really referring to a broad spectrum of disease. What, what, plays in most mindfully or what is the most high frequency inflammatory condition that you think you see in the clinical setting? Oh gosh, Derek, I don't know about you, but for me, it's dry eye. It's the elephant in the room. It's, it's prevalent. It's everywhere. It's almost omnipresent. So dry eyes staring us in the face all day long in clinic, uh, pre-op, post-op, or you know, young, middle-aged, older, and inflammation is present. It's not always a red injected eye. So I think that the steroids are, sh should be used more often than they are. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because obviously you're well aware in general medicine, really our, our first line of therapy for almost all acute inflammatory disease is really steroids. Now, probably with good reason, we've been a little bit of gun shy in historically with steroids with the eye for certain reasons and, and maybe a lack of understanding or longitudinal studies. But you know, you're exactly right. I think dry eye and allergic eye often are a vicious cycle and play into each other. And so often when we see this, you're, you're exactly right. There really only is one drug class that we can go to that's going to give us kind of a comprehensive squash of inflammation of both of them without being too specific for either one uniquely. I agree. And it's, um, I think it's something that when you start looking at the special features and especially some of the headband studies that we're gonna talk about, you'll see that there's um, additional benefits to using a molecule such as Flarex. Our program will continue after a short break. This podcast is brought to you by iVance Pharmaceuticals. At iVance, we're advancing ocular health by investing in vision through ophthalmic therapies. Our mission is to ensure optimal vision and better quality of life for all patients. To learn more, visit iVance.com. That's E-Y-E-V-A-N-C-E.com. You know, and from my standpoint, really, you mentioned this, you touched on this earlier, but I, I can tell you that from a surgical standpoint at a surgical center with refractive surgery, cross-linking, even coil transplants, things of this nature, 
you know, we really want an effective steroid, but we, we need to rely on a safety profile, a well-established safety profile. And, and, I, and I can tell you that this is another place where we fit this in relatively routinely. Yes, I agree. You know, Derek, we were talking a little bit earlier about dry eye and how it's everywhere and inflammation is at the epicenter of dry eye, whether you want to believe it or not, it's there. <laughs> you ask all these different experts across the world, whether it's the TFOS News 2 report, the Cedars Aspen's dry eye protocol, or even the new ASCRS or Ascaris um, preoperative dry eye protocol, they all talk about inflammation associated with dry eye. And so that, that commonality of inflammation being the common driver across all these different excellent bodies of work, I think is, is very much worth paying attention to and noticing and addressing effectively with an agent such as Flarex. You know, I completely agree. And we've certainly seen an evolution throughout all of these studies where, you know, initially the easiest place to spot dry or inflammatory process of dry was in severe disease. So you saw some of the earlier guidelines or protocols really kind of call for it, namely in that area. But as we've been able to develop much more sophisticated testing for interleukins and matrix metallic, metallic proteinases and things of that nature, we actually see that, you know, even in the genesis of mild dry eye, there's an inflammatory component. And it's interesting to see these different protocols or, or these different bodies really grabbing onto this new science and moving the steroid therapy earlier and earlier in treatment, the inflammatory component of the disease. It's really not an end stage product anymore. I totally agree with you. And I think the more proactive we could be in addressing the inflammation component, even at early stages of dry eye, you have the potential to um, make an impact in that overall cumulative chronic downward self-perpetuating cycle of inflammation by just being more proactive and catching it off earlier in the stage of the game. The TFOS 2 report talks about using it for um, the, its clinical value of steroids in addressing inflammation and dry eye. The Cedars Aspen's report talks about topical steroids as first-line therapy for aqueous tear deficiency and blepharitis MGD. Those are forms of inflammation on the anterior segment. You know, and talking about the evolution of, of basically our understanding and also the evolution of eye care, you know, number one, first of all, we don't have a single disease that responds better in end stage disease than an early stage, right? So we're going to jump in earlier with almost everything now. And then the other thing too is the last six months has really taught us the, the importance of being able to triage through telemedicine. And this COVID uh, crisis that we're in, it looks like it's going to really hone our skills on which therapies or which disease states can, can be really initially addressed through telemedicine. And I, and I do think dry eye is one of them. And with appropriate short-term use, especially with established patients, treating the inflammatory cascade of dry eye has been something that we've been able to success, successfully do through telemedicine. What about you? I agree. It's, I, telemedicine has been fantastic as a way of connecting with more and more dry eye patients and helping to address the you know, flare-ups that they're having, whether it's associated with mask wear. You need to wear your mask, but if it doesn't fit properly, all that turbulent air and all that screen time can exacerbate your dry eye. So having something to address the inflammation that underpins those flare-ups is particularly helpful. And I agree with you that the safety part uh, lends itself very well to short-term use for flare-ups and for inflammation associated with dry eye and telemedicine for established patients is a really great way of going about it. 
we spent a little time talking about FlareX, but I want to circle back to the data on FlareX, more specifically the FDA studies, because I do think that sheds some really important light, which is going to make people understand why this is not generic FML, and it's really not what you're used to as far as the FML goes. You know, in the FDA study or the approval studies that were done, FlareX was compared to FML as well as brand name Pretforte which is prednisolone acetate ophthalmic suspension. And I think historically we've, we've really separated FML and Predforte. So to see it uniquely compared to each of these was really, really important. All patients had some type of external inflammation, mostly conjunctivitis, but the important thing here is episcleritis and scleritis were also included in the study. And what I really like about this study is it was real world. It was a 13 day trial. So it was a short, relatively aggressive trial and patients received drops according to the label. There was no off-label dosing here. Now in this study, patients were evaluated for symptoms and the symptoms that they looked at uniquely were discomfort, acute ocular pain, tearing, itching, photophobia, and change in visual acuity. And they were really looked at for signs of external inflammation like erythema, discharge, palpebral and bulbar conjunctival inflammation, as well as other stuff like exudation, the limbal inflammation that we'll all kind of look at first thing, corneal epithelial disease, as well as focal stromal infiltrates. Now, when we kind of summate all this data and take a deeper dive into what the true differences were between Flarex, FML, and Predforte, can you kind of fill us in a little bit on how this played out and what the results really were? Yeah, thank, that was a great summary of those studies, Derek. And what, one thing I really appreciate about these FDA studies is their comparisons, right? You, you don't see comparative studies very much anymore. So it's really refreshing to see how something performs against other things. And when you start comparing how Flarex performed against uh, FML or fluoromethylone alcohol instead of Flarex, which is fluoromethylone acetate, there were some big glaring differences. So 68% of those patients, or um, almost three quarters, you know, almost 70% who received Flarex, they were resolved of their ocular surface inflammation uh, versus only 43% of patients who received FML. So if you're talking about a short course of steroids to address um, all these forms of ocular surface inflammation, that's very compelling to me that you can get such a significantly higher rate of clearance of the ocular surface inflammation. The, all, those, all the Flarex patients in that study reported improvement, and there were some patients in the FML or fluoromethylene alcohol group that did not see any improvement at all. So I think that's compelling as well. Speed is important, right? Patients want to feel better very, very quickly, and the Flarex group had inflammation and uh, resolve quicker than patients who received the other medication. So I think those are really compelling reasons for choosing Flarex over regular FML. Our program will continue after a short break. This podcast is brought to you by iVance Pharmaceuticals. At iVance, we're advancing ocular health by investing in vision through ophthalmic therapies. Our mission is to ensure optimal vision and better quality of life for all patients. To learn more, visit iVance.com. That's E-Y-E-V-A-N-C-E.com.
Now, we touched on this before, but to me, the real big thing for me and, and the real pivotal understanding was understanding how it went up against Pred Forte, because I think we all from from our student years to our residencies to early practice, Pred Forte was really the king and nothing really kind of came close to it. But now to have a, a, a definitive head to head study. I think was really, really important and pivotal for me 18 years ago. And it, it shocked me again when I looked at this data. I agree. So, and same thing that, that uh, magenta box was, that was, that was King for taming strong. Um, but Flarex is strong too. When you start looking at the two of them together um, against each other, you'll see that Flarex has the potency of Pred Forte, but the safety profile of an FML. Um, and I think that's really important to remember that you can get that strength, but also increase your safety margins. I think that is particularly compelling when you're choosing a steroid to address inflammation. Yeah. And so I, I think when people look at this study, I think it's going to refresh them to understand that Flarex was, you know, head to head, equally as efficacious as Pred Forte in the study with no statistically significant difference. But obviously we have this proven safety profile that we can use. You know, Derek, as we start to wrap up here, this has been a really fun discussion. When you think about inflammation and things we see in every single day, I can think of a lot of areas where Flarex can assist clinicians, which ends up assisting our patients. Um, dry eye, allergy, any type, any type of ocular surface inflammation that you see, even inflammation associated uh, after surgery is an appropriate target. What do you think? The idea that you have a product that can be used for the entire spectrum of ocular inflammation is really important for us. And it really doesn't, it allows us to keep this on the shelf and keep it something as we're going to basically use from the mild to the severe. And it gives us the flexibility that we really want a product like this. Yeah, I agree with you. The flexibility and also the efficacy that the fact that it has this, the strength of a Pred Forte and yet the gentleness of an FML, I think is, is particularly compelling. We now have a product that has been shown to be as efficacious as the King for years, Pred Forte, but with a safety profile that we've all really been looking for for a long, long time. So it's a big deal. I agree with you. And the fact that the uh, safety signals in the clinical trials and the original studies were clear there was no major safety signal. Yeah, you know, and that can't be reiterated enough. We still have a steroid here. We still have to be, you know, very appropriate in its usage. But to know that for very short-term use, like we're going to typically almost always use it, you're going to have a really, really robust safety profile that's been well-documented and actually studied in several different countries as well. Yes. yes. What about access though, right? That's always a, a huge component to everything that we do and recommend as as clinicians and i have to applaud the ivance team for creating excellent access and this is the part where we really talk about what everyone wants to know if we're using these products in clinic can our patients reasonably get them and you now have a reliable coupon program and we've all seen the erosion of coupon programs or availability of different incentives with with branded products but i can tell you from my standpoint in a clinical setting this has certainly been one of the most reliable coupons that we have across any product that we have in in ophthalmology and optometry i totally agree and it's uh 
the the program has decreased callbacks to my clinic as well. I give it to the patient. Actually, I have them look it up on their browser so that they have it on their phone when they go to the pharmacy and show it to the pharmacist in the back. And it's just eliminated a lot of the hassles in getting the right medication in my patient's hands. And I appreciate that. You know, and if you don't have the copay card in your clinic, your patients can also go to myeyesavings.com, which you know, it's one of the things that we can bring up in the clinic with them. That's right. I, I do use the myisavings.com and just have them call it up on their phone so that they have it ready to go when they pick it up from the pharmacy. It's good for all the advanced products, actually. You only have to do it one time, which is nice. Absolutely. All right, Laura, I do want to thank you for spending the time and a little bit of your knowledge going through this kind of stuff with me. You know, I think as clinicians, we're all really interested to see if other people are doing things the way that we're doing. And when you hear that, you know, a little bit of validation, number one, you hear a little bit of clinical experience that, you know, I'm going to bring into my clinic, number two, it's been really valuable for us. And these are the, these are the type of exchanges I really enjoy. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Derek. Thank you for your time. It's been really fun. I learned from you too. This has uh, been a really great review of steroids and how important they are in our clinical practices. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Advancing Ocular Health. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed your experience, leave us a review. If you missed our earlier episodes on Zerviate and Tobradex ST, you can go back and listen to those too. Until next time.